Hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Told, Dr. Kayo Dumpert. Dr. Walter Aka, and uh, we are incredibly blessed and, and just humbled to have somebody that I, I mean, I've listened, I'm listening to his podcast every day and I'm learning so much, you know, and, and, and if you know me, you know that I don't say these things lightly. This man is teaching me a lot of stuff that I didn't know about. You know, the older you get, I feel like the more you should hopefully learn and realize how little you know. You know, uh, so Dr. Richard, uh, and Richard is actually my little brother's name, so you got a good name, you know, <laughs> Dr. Richard <laughs> Harris. Uh, welcome to the Tooth Be Told podcast. You have your own podcast, and we'll get to that. Uh, and, and hopefully everybody that's listening to this can get as much as I've gotten so far uh, out of just listening to you talk. So Dr. Richard, please give us your background. Let us know what's been going on with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, and then, well, first and foremost, I should say thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for allowing me to come speak with you guys today. And me, it, it's kind of funny how I got to where I am today, because it really all started back when I was a kid. I loved reading books about whales and dolphins and sharks. Most of the kids my age were reading Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and Goosebumps. <laughs> Goosebumps. And I was, was going to say Goosebumps. <laughs> Goosebumps. I liked it, but... Man, you you literally could not find me without a book about sharks or snakes. Those are my favorite things, or dinosaurs. That's okay. what I read. See, and my so daughter's always... about dinosaurs right now, and and this it's Shark Week, so you must be enjoying life right now. I love Shark Week. It's, it's my favorite. <laughs> I was watching Shark Week before Shark Week was cool, like when I used to get made fun of <laughs> for watching Shark Week in like the nineties. Right. But it was that interest was always there. And then I got into my genetics class in college because I was a biochem major. And one of the assignments was go find out what runs in your family. And I had never really asked my parents, like, what are your medical conditions? What were grandma and grandpa's medical conditions? And so I wouldn't ask them. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. We got diabetes, heart disease, strokes, cancer, uh, autoimmune disease, thyroid disease, obesity, high cholesterol. We got mental illness, PTSD, substance abuse, anxiety, depression. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wow. This is all between you two and my four grandparents. So like, yep. I was like, okay, I need to figure out a way to do something about this because this is not looking good. And that's when I really started to look at what can I do to help keep myself healthy and I was 18 or 19 years old. And that's when I really started to learn about supplements and exercise and nutrition. And that kept going further and further as I advanced in my career. And like you mentioned offline, we live in a world right now where we have more medication than ever. There is more pills than ever right now. And we have more disease than ever. Right. Clearly, medication is not the way to sustainable health. And that's the way I practice now. I'm a big, a big advocate of lifestyle medicine, and that is everything we do on a daily basis can either add to our health or subtract from our health. And I tell people, listen, my job is to make sure you're making more deposits into your literal health savings account than withdrawals. And that is through how you interact with your environment on a daily basis, which is the most powerful determinant of your health. Real quick, you want to know what the biggest factor in your health is? Please. Your zip code. It correlates with your health more than anything else because your zip code determines so much of your environment, your, your socioeconomic status. Do you live in a high pollution area? Do you live in a high crime area? Even the health of your neighbors, there's data showing that that can affect your health. 
and that you will more likely have the health that your neighbors have. And so this soft stuff that people said, it's really actually matters and it's a big determinant of our health. That's gem number one. Yeah. So gem number one. Listen. Oh my goodness. All right, keep going, keep going, keep going. This is great. This well, is so, great. so what's the healthiest area to, to live in? Oh, as come far on, as we're gonna it, get in trouble. You can't no, say stuff like no, that. No, I am curious because I'm in rural. I, I'm in a small town environment. You guys, you're both in Houston, right? right. Uh so city compared to rural, east coast, west coast. I mean west coast, southern uh California is definitely known for its smog and its pollution. Uh, so are there any standout areas, whether it's in this country or in this world that are healthier than others? Yeah, you actually mentioned it. It's in California. There's an area in California that we call a blue zone and blue zones are areas where people live long, have no chronic disease. People literally die from old age. There's very little Alzheimer's. There's very little heart disease. There's very little diabetes. And one of these is in California. Because it's in a, it's not an Amish community, but it's a, a group that's like that. They live off of the old world. They cook their own food. They make their own clothes. They have very little communication with the outside world. But in general, we know that there are certain socioeconomic factors that make people healthier. Higher level education, because you tend to invest more into yourself. If you live close to a supermarket, where you can actually get fresh food and fresh groceries. That makes a difference. If you uh, actually have an area where there's a gym nearby, that makes a difference. If you actually live closer to where you work, that makes a difference because there's less commute time, right? You have more free time to devote to other things. So there's a whole bunch of factors that actually go into our health and Of course, these are trends, right? It doesn't mean, oh, okay, I I live an hour away from a gym. That means I can't be healthy. Or, you know, I live in the country. I can't be healthy. There's a a YouTube sensation called The Barn James. It's this guy who's a farmer who built himself a gym and a basketball court and everything. And he's out there working out in the farm. I think that's so cool because when there's a will, there's a way. And this guy found a way when his gym closed down. He just made his farm into a basketball court and, and a way to work out. So, you know, we know there are trends, but just like any other trend, there are ways that you can buck that trend and do what you need to do to be successful in your environment. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I remember um, one of the episodes, you said something and and, and it threw me back. It really did. So I want you to kind of elaborate on that. You talked about mouthwash and how we should not and I don't want to, I want to paraphrase, but I, I, I don't want to quote you exactly because I don't remember the exact quote, but you were saying that maybe we shouldn't do, use mouthwash. And that, I mean, as a dentist, that kind of scared me, right? Because I was like, wait a minute, what, what, what is he saying? So can you please go in depth with that and, and explain what you meant by that and, and what the research is saying? Because you're very research oriented. Sure. And I think this all stems back from... I don't know exactly when, but we got very bacteria phobic. Everything was, oh, kills 99.9% of germs and be germ free and you don't want bacteria around you. If you literally had no bacteria, you would not survive very long. There are, they used to say there were more bacteria than us. Now we think there's about equal bacteria in us inside of us and our bacteria are absolutely essential to our normal functioning 
In fact, dysbiosis, which is abnormal gut bacteria, has been linked to just about any type of chronic disease on the planet. Our gut bacteria help us digest foods. They actually signal our immune system if things are there. There's a study that showed that they will notice that there are viruses and tell the immune system to wake up. There's a virus over there. Go fight it. They also will let us know that everything is okay in the gut. They actually function with signaling. And there's data that shows that all of the different biomes, which you know, our mouth biome, gut biome, lung biome, they all talk to each other just like our cells talk to each other. And so how does this correlate with mouthwash? Well, again, if we kill off bacteria unnecessarily, that actually does us more harm than good. And the highest population of bacteria that produce nitric oxide, which is the major regulator of blood flow, it is the major regulator of how we shunt blood to different areas in our body and how we increase or decrease blood flow appropriately for what we're doing. The mo major source of the bacteria that make this for us are in our mouths. So when you use mouthwash just indiscriminately, you kill off those bacteria, your nitric oxide levels drop. It actually shows in studies that that raises blood pressure. And I think this goes back to the issue of all bacteria are bad. And we know that's not the case. If anytime someone says something that's absolute to me, you can pretty much assume that they're absolutely wrong because <laughs> nothing exists in absolutes. Too much bacteria or the wrong bacteria can be bad. You guys see this all the time, gingivitis and periodontal disease, right? right? That's an overgrowth. That's a problem. In that situation, you want to decrease the number of bacteria or reorient the population so it's good bacteria. In that case, mouthwash is recommended. Usually, it's you know, a pharmaceutical product like chlorhexidine or some of the more holistic products out there that are actually antimicrobial because you want to bring down those counts. Now, if you're doing someone's exam and you notice they don't have periodontal disease, their teeth look great, that person most likely doesn't need mouthwash if they have normal uh, teeth cleaning routines. And this is something that's kind of funny because I see it all the time and I started talking to other holistic providers and they see it all the time. Those apophis ulcers, you know, those little tiny ulcers that people get, they're kind of painful. They come right. on you know, if you bite your, your cheek or sometimes they come on with stress mm -hmm. and they come, they're there, they hurt, and then they go away within a week. Right. They almost always happen in people who are using mouthwash from what mm -hmm. I've seen. Okay. And I had them. Within a week of stopping using mouthwash, I haven't had one since. And that was seven years ago. I haven't had an ulcer since and I used to get them at least twice a month. You see, and it's funny because our, one of the things that we tell our patients is most of the time it's caused by what? Stress. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that we've been saying. We, I've never really known anybody to kind of correlate that with uh, mouthwashes or, or killing the bacteria, you know, the flora in your mouth. So that's something that I, I've never seen. And maybe that might be, if anybody's listening, any resident or anybody's listening, that might be a good research uh, to talk about or do. Right. I think yeah. that would be an excellent research study. And especially you can get funding for it because there's tons of research going on about the microbiome right now. And when you use these products, this is the other thing about antibacterial products, right? Say you do kill 99.9%, right? That means there's a population left over that survives. And in biology, there's something called fitness. 
And this is where survival of the fittest came from. And fitness, when you stress a biological system, the things that will survive have a competitive advantage. And in the case of bacteria, a bacterial competitive advantage is bad for us as the host. That means this bacteria has more virulence factors or more pathogenicity. These are big words that basically mean that bacteria is one bad dude. And so then... <laughs> that bad dude is surviving and reproducing and making more bad dudes. And so all of a sudden you go from having a bunch of, you know, fifth graders inhabiting your mouth to a bunch of, you know, hell's angel biker gang people inhabiting your mouth. Right. And that's a big difference between these fifth graders who are playing dodge. I don't know if kids still play dodgeball. That's what right. we used to do. They, they probably right. play video game wise. They might be, you know. <laughs> they might, yeah. They might so they're, 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 not, they're not harming anybody. Right. They're just, <laughs> right. they're just sitting there doing their thing. Right. Right. And now, all of a sudden, you got a biker gang coming over, taking over, causing trouble, causing inflammation, and you're getting ulcers. And we know that if you have inflammation in your mouth around your teeth, that is going to cause systemic inflammation. And I always tell people, listen, you have to go see your dentist at least twice a year for those cleanings. It is literally life-saving. We know that periodontal disease correlates with Alzheimer's, with diabetes, with obesity, with cancer, because inflammation is the root cause of all diseases. And so if you have inflammation in your mouth, our systems talk to each other and it's going to send alarm signals to the gut saying, hey, we have inflammation up here. Gut's going to send signals to the liver. Hey, there's inflammation in the mouth. Liver's going to send signals to the brain. Hey, there's inflammation in the mouth. And then that your body gets put on a high alert system where it's more in that fight or flight type of response as opposed to the everything's okay, we can grow, we can repair, we can do the things we need to do instead of being a watchdog all the time on alert. And these little things actually matter. So go get your teeth cleaning. <laughs> let me let me let me just say something and i want everybody that's listening to record this or at least remember this part and you actually said something that's amazing a lot of patients don't believe dentists when they say hey this is a systemic issue your mouth is not special it's not disconnected from your body it's a pathway it starts there and keeps going right uh so can you get on to um chronic so i'm a periodontist so i deal with periodontal disease all the time, chronic inflammatory disease, right? I listened to one of your episodes and it was talking about um, uh, insulin resistance and chronic inflammatory, you know, diseases. So uh, can you get on to that and connect that too? Because there's a lot of patients that need to listen to this. Yeah. So if you had to say, what are the three biggest root causes of chronic disease here in America? Number one is inflammation. And that could be from, there's a ton of different things that can cause inflammation. I go more into that. I have a whole podcast on it. Yes. Number two is stress. And people think that mental stress is just that mental. No, it's a physiological response too. So whenever you're stressed, your body has to make certain chemicals to, to enact pathways to help us deal with that stress. And in the case of all stress, whether it's mental or physical, your body thinks you need to run from a tiger because we have the genes of cavemen. So what were cavemen stressed by? Things trying to kill them, things trying to eat them, or they were at risk for a famine or something horrific, right? It was always life or death. So that's what happens when you get stressed. And then the number three thing is insulin resistance. And this is very insidious because most people don't feel it until it's well beyond a breaking point. 
And we see people all the time come in who are massively diabetic and they're like, yeah, I just felt a little tired. And that whole system has been dysregulated for a long time. In fact, 10% of the population is diabetic. All right. And then that number is actually supposed to increase like 15% by 2040, which is absurd. And then 30% of the population is insulin resistance. And what insulin resistance is, is insulin is the hormone that helps us metabolize blood sugar. So when sugar's in the blood, it increases insulin levels and insulin tells the cells, specifically a lot of the muscle, the liver to take up the sugar and metabolize it if we need the energy or store it if we don't need energy at that time. And what happens with high carbohydrate intake, sedentary life, stress, not enough sleep, omega-6 seed oils like canola oil and soy oil is your body becomes resistant to that insulin signal. It's like when you get married, you get a wife resistance, right? <laughs> like my wife could be talking like right here and I just don't hear her sometimes, right? <laughs> you know what? We're going to edit that one out just for you. <laughs> but but if you're between, between us and uh, whoever else is listening, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> just between so. us and a few people, a few hundred people. So that's, that's what happens with insulin resistance is the insulin is there and it's knocking on the door. It's screaming, Hey, cell, there's sugar here. Take up the sugar, please. And the cell's like, nah, I ain't listening to you. And why is this bad? Well, when there's excess sugar in the body, what it does is it attaches to proteins. The reaction when you burn bread and it makes that black crust, that's the same reaction that happens in your body when there's excess sugar. And so black crusty bread, not that good, not that appetizing, don't want it. Black crusty proteins, don't want those either. They're not working too well. And so this causes dysregulation and it causes actually inflammation. And this inflammation can be anywhere. It can show up as periodontal disease. It could show up as fatty liver. It could show up as cholesterol clogging the arteries. It could show up as dementia or Alzheimer's. There are, it could show up as cancer. And so when I see these things, I tell people, listen, if you have inflammation or insulin resistance, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you which one of these bad things is going to happen to you, but something bad is going to happen to you because your system is not working correctly. It's like if the check engine light comes on your car and you hear a noise and that noise is really, really loud. The first thing you think of, huh? I'm not a mechanic, but this sounds like something bad is about to happen. I need to go to a specialist who can tell me what I need to fix. And that's the same thing with insulin resistance and, and chronic stress. Something is going to happen. A leak is going to form. Some disease is going to take root. And which one depends on your environment and depends on your genetics. And we're not at the point where we can kind of, where we can just pinpoint and say, Oh, if this keeps up, you're going to have a heart attack in 15 years. Mm. That's the future. We're trying to get there. We're, we're progressing day by day. But you got to know if you have insulin resistance, if you have inflammation, this is a big red warning sign. If you have periodontal disease, that's a big red warning sign that there is some systemic dysregulation going on. And that's something you need to take very seriously because it does correlate with all of these chronic diseases that are killing millions of Americans. So 
with inflammation in the body, a little bit of inflammation is good. You work out, uh, you get, you know, you're lifting weights, creates inflammation in your muscles. It's a short term inflammatory response that allows the body to get stronger. Uh, different trainings, I, I've started to do ice baths and, you know, heat therapies, stressing the body out between extreme colds, extreme heats. Uh, that allows the body to uh, self-regulate a little bit better when it can deal with the extremes. At, at what point should people start to be concerned about, is this acute stress? Is this acute inflammation versus uh, e even when it goes into muscle aches and pains? And uh, one of the talks we just did uh, at a training class, XPT training that I did, we talked about a, a chronic pain response where a lot of people pretty much everybody deals with some type of chronic pain. And pain is a signal that tells you something is wrong, something needs to get fixed. But there's an emotional or mental component to pain also in that sometimes that chronic pain where I've got pain in my neck or pain in my shoulder and I can't seem to get it fixed, uh, there is a chronic inflammatory response there that... Um, it's not a life and death situation. So there's other ways to deal with that chronic pain other than maybe getting surgery or, or something along those lines. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that question. I kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but as far as <laughs> between acute, acute and chronic inflammation, where do you see, uh, when should people start to get concerned about it? Yeah, that's a great point. And this is something I actually covered in my inflammation podcast. When we talk about inflammation, we usually talk about bad inflammation, but there's also good inflammation. If I break my arm, I want inflammation because right. I want the body to know something's wrong here. We need more blood flow. We need more nutrients. We need white blood cells to watch out for infection. We need fibroblasts to get in there and help remake new tissue. Right? That's good inflammation, working out. That's good inflammation. You're, you're stressing your body to make it stronger. And this is what we call a hormetic response, where you have a good stressor like exercise, like calorie restriction, like cold plunges and heat plunges and saunas and things like that. These are good stressors, which enact pathways in the body that literally make our bodies stronger and more robust. Now, it can tip. Right. And I think the issue with a lot of these things is because we are very all or none as humans and we think a little of something is good. A lot is always better. And that's not the case. Right? There's no reason for you to be working out two hours a day unless you're specifically training for something. Right. If you're an athlete, right, if you're a boxer or you're a swimmer or you're a gymnast, you're training for a specific thing. That's why you're doing it. But they're also prioritizing rest and having personal nutrition and all that kind of stuff, right? They're making sure everything's cohesive. Mm -hmm. For the average Joe, you're just trying to be healthy. You can do that in 30 minutes. Mm. You can actually do it in less than 30 minutes. But, you know, 30 minutes is a good, nice, round number. It's achievable. Same thing with, let's say, sauna. You know, going to the sauna a few times a week, no problem. Doing it every day for two hours, that's not good for you. You're going to cause nutrient loss, right? Because right. you're going to sweat out too much of sodium, potassium, electrolytes, magnesium. You're going to get dehydrated and 70% of people are already dehydrated on any given day. 
And so you have to find that balance. And finding that balance is really listening to your body. Your body will tell you when to stop. When you actually do like mindfulness or meditation or body scanning, these type of techniques, you become very in tune with your body. And I know at 38 now, I know my body better and I'm able to push my body harder than when I was 16 because I know the days where I feel great and I can push. And I know when my body's telling me, hey, relax a little bit. And this is even with my eating, my eating pattern. I'll go vegan. I'll go keto. I'll go carnivore. I just listen to my body. And if my body's saying eat more meat, I eat more meat. My body's saying eat more vegetables, I eat more vegetables. And I just really listen to it. But I pay attention to those signals. So to your point, Yes, we all inflammation is not bad. There is good inflammation. But when you're looking at these hormetic stressors like you're doing, you can overdo them. And just know that with these stressors, a little bit goes a long way. You know, 30 minutes in the sauna two times a week is fantastic, right? Doing a cold plunge. And a lot of people think it has to be like really, really cold. As far as I know, there the data shows that it doesn't matter um, how cold, as long as it's colder than your core body temperature. Like the reason Michael Phelps ate 12,000 calories a day is not because he burned 12,000 calories a day swimming. It's because the pool is colder. He had to heat his body while he was doing that. Mm. And the pool water is only like 70 something degrees, right? It's not that cold, but he was having that much need for thermogenesis for generating heat that he was burning that many calories. So we don't have to go to extremes with things. You know, you don't have to jump into an ice bath and sit there till you get frostbite to get benefit. You know, do you what your body says it's capable of doing. <laughs> now, some people can do that, and that's perfectly <laughs> fine with them. But no, Kyle, you know, Kyle's had at least like four or five frostbite issues. It was nah, weird. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been weird the whole time. I'm like, I don't understand why you keep getting frostbite every day, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> it's relaxing to me now to come and get into a an ice bath after you know working on people all day long, it, it helps to relax the muscles, get in there for two or three minutes, get out, let the body reacclimate, uh, bring your core temperature back up, uh, get in the hot tub, get that heat response for 10, 15 minutes, get out, uh, let your body regulate back to normal again and do that a couple of times. But th that's something I've started to do that I, I enjoy. So yeah, and that's I the old way of doing it, like the finished saunas, right? That's the original method was in those finished saunas, they would go in the heat, they'd stay there for five, 10 minutes, and then they'd go back to a regular pool, cool down, and then go back to the heat. When they felt like they were overheating or they felt like they had enough time, they would go back to the cool. And that's the original way that people used to sauna. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, so I listened to, you, you said something, and I want to make sure that I, I say this correctly, so I wrote it down. Tell me if I'm wrong at any time, but I love this quote. It's, you said, uh, Nature loads the gun, nurture pulls the trigger. Can you go into that a little bit? Because I thought, I mean, you continued it on, on your, your podcast, but I thought it was a really cool little phrase and, and, and a kind of summary of everything that you kind of teach. So can you go yeah. into a little bit of that for me, please? Absolutely. And this is something I tell people when they use genetics as an excuse. Because most of them use genetics and they haven't even done their genetics. They just say, oh, you know, it runs in the family or something like that. I've done my genetics. My genetics say I should be diabetic. My genetics say I should be overweight. My genetics say I should be depressed. My genetics say I should have an autoimmune disease. Hmm. 38 years old, I am none of those things. But my genes say that I should. And I tell people, 
that quote and I say, listen, your genes tell you what could happen. How you interact with your environment tells you what's going to happen. And there's a whole field called epigenetics, which is the expression of those genes. And you can greatly modify how those genes are expressed. A lot of the genes aren't fully all or none. There's some wiggle room in how they activate. Are they 50% active? Are they 75%? Are they 100%? And that is what epigenetics is. And that's how we interact with our environment. And the other thing that I challenge people when they say, oh, it runs in the family, I say, okay, well, let's look at hypertension, right? Something that 50% of Americans have. If it was completely genetic, then you would expect in a hunter-gatherer population who's not subjected to our current lifestyle, but they have similar genetics, that we would have the same rate of disease if it was solely based upon genes because genetics don't transform that quickly, right? It, it takes thousands of years for genes to evolve. So if it was all genetics, they'd have the same rate of hypertension, 50% here, it's 1% there. And the rate astronomically goes up as they adopt a more Western lifestyle. So 49% of our hypertension is, or, you know, 49% of the people who have hypertension here, you know, 50% total, 49% of that has not genetic hypertension. And so what I tell people, what really runs in families is habits and mindset. Mm -hmm. You pick up the habits and the mindset of the people around you when you're a kid. And you will have that until you come to a moment where you say, you know what, I want better, or I want more, or I want to change, or something has to change. Because I had the habits and mindset of my parents until I got in my 20s. And I said, you know what, I don't think this is right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go learn what I think should be the way I do things. And that tells you a really powerful story. Right. And you mentioned, uh, I think it was like a four-year-old who had type 2 diabetes. And I, I mean, that, I remember that kind of triggered that, that quote of yours. And I was like, my God, you know, that's not how we're normally, like, we're not born and all of a sudden we have insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. But it could be basically what, you know, the parents and, you know, again, no offense to any parents, but come on, this is, you know, kids don't make their food themselves. We feed them, you know, we nurture them. So that's something that, you know, uh, kind of had me thinking when you said that. And I was like, wow, man. You know, uh, but what I want to do actually is I want to do a two part, if you don't mind, because I'm really liking this and I feel like we could talk for hours, but I don't know if people have that attention span nowadays, you know. <laughs> so I want to break this up into two parts, but can you talk about your, uh, your course, your website, like your podcast, I want everybody to hear all this, go listen to you so that when they come back, maybe they can send us some questions that they want to ask you directly next time. Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is called Strive for Great Health Podcast. If you like what you heard on this show, then you'll love the podcast because this is all I talk about. We have 80 episodes right now diving into health. It's a health wellness and mindset podcast. And I really think if you're going to take anything away from this, don't do action first, get your mind right first. The body will go as the mind goes, and it will only go as far as the mind goes. Find your why, find your values, really understand that and that will drive your action. And so this is what we talk about on the podcast. We have topics ranging from vitamin D to infrared sauna to P 
PEMF to inflammation and anxiety. We have one on chronic pain. And that's what I'm really proud of because I have had chronic pain since I was 13 years old mm. and I have never been on medications. And this is how I've been able to manage my chronic pain for 25 years. And also I have a lifestyle medicine course. It's a five week course, teaches you everything I know about lifestyle medicine. And that's also how you build habits, how you sustain habits, how you get motivation, what to do when you don't have motivation. And then we dive into nutrition and exercise, avoiding toxins, all of the things that I talked about in the beginning that make sure that we are adding to our health and not subtracting from our health. And then our website is the ghwellness.com. My business name is Great Health and Wellness. And you can find everything related to me on that website. Awesome. That's awesome. No, I, I mean, I know you talk about, and I'm gonna, this is a little teaser. I'm learning how to do this. Uh, <laughs> but you talk about CBDs, which is something that I really want get into. And I, I wanna say that you are also a consultant for a CBD company, correct? That's correct. You know, and, and, and so, I mean, just listening to your, your podcast, again, there's so much about CBDs that I had no idea about. You know, and dentists, I mean, come on, guys, we, we're, we have a very sedentary uh, profession. We spend most of our time just sitting around. We gain a lot of weight, right? We always say, you know, we joke around about bod dad, or dad bods and stuff. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm developing that. I'm, I, had, I, had, I, had, I have to start cutting back, you know what I mean? But, you know, all these things are not good for us. And we need to learn how to get our mind right, how to get our nutrition right. You know, uh, maybe there are supplements that we need to take. Again, all of these things are in your podcast. So everybody needs to listen, dentists especially. You know, we have high you – know, I, I remember in the 70s they talked about high amounts of depression, right? So dentists were very isolated. We have a dental office. That's all we know is us, 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 right? So we need to get our mind right in order to understand and enjoy maybe what we do going forward. There's a lot of things working against us in Western society with uh, – how our diet is, how our a trip to the grocery store where our, our food is manufactured, um, the declining nutrients in our diet, the chronic stress, uh, psychological stress and uh, wanting immediate fixes, which leads to medications. Uh, there's a lot of things working against us in society and there there's ways to better take care of ourselves and get out of that trap that our society has created for us. Absolutely. And I'm just going to tell this story real quick because it's something that is crazy. The FDA is getting worse and worse and worse by the minute. For people who don't know what the FDA is, they're the ones who regulate the drugs in this country. Shocking. We all know how much I love the government. So, uh, oh, shock. God, please. <laughs> Let, Richard, please don't start. Yeah. Go ahead, please. No, the, this, is, this, is, this is important. You know that new Alzheimer's drug that was just approved, right? The yeah, FDA, right? yeah, the FDA came in and said, "Hey, we approve this drug, right?" The FDA advisory panel said, "Do not approve this drug. It's a panel of doctors. We don't know if it actually works." And the FDA said, "Screw you guys. We're approving this drug anyway." And so this is what is a microcosm for what's happening now: is that we're getting treatments approved for surrogate markers, this treatment lowers the amount of plaque in the brain. We have no idea if that makes a clinical endpoint or not. You know, previous research shows that it doesn't always correlate the level of plaque with the level of dysfunction in Alzheimer's. 
and this is now approved and people are getting it and we literally don't know if it works so this is why i'm such a huge proponent of taking care of yourself the burden is on you it's on you to be the steward of your own health i always tell people i'm a doctor i can't cure you but i can show you how you can cure yourself yes all right it's always 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 on the individual to do the right thing to take the right steps and then to find the right people to help them because it's it's not coming in the form of a pill i'm i'm assuming that because this happened you're going to get more and more and more questionable amount of medications approved with we don't know if they actually work or not and people are going to be on these thinking that it's going to help them while they're still eating Whataburger three times a day. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because right after Biogen, uh, the Alzheimer's um, was passed or, or approved. I want to say it was Pfizer or another company that said, oh, well, that's a, that's the bar. We can easily get ours approved, right? And, and so now you're setting the bar even lower mm -hmm. for all the things that mm -hmm. should not be. I mean, the bar should not be set low for Alzheimer's or medication. But that's what we're doing now. As long as it doesn't kill you, yeah, fine. Let's just approve it. But you know, we're not, we don't have the kind of platform to talk about stuff like that. You can talk about it, but I can't. You know, <laughs> you have the knowledge for that. Nor do we but, have the legal team to defend us. <laughs> yeah, nor, nor, nor do we want the legal team. On the, exactly. Right? Right. You know, I'm not right. paying for that. Uh, but no, definitely. You know, I, I want to get you back as soon as possible, just so we can again talk about some of the things that you know we don't discuss. Like I like I said, CBD mindfulness all these other things that we can talk about that will hopefully help our colleagues and 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 our patients to get better naturally absolutely because awesome. that's that's the real there's there's no quick fix there's no easy solution right i say that quick fixes make expensive problems whenever you put a patch on something it may hold it may not but the problem is sitting there getting worse and then once it comes to light again, the problem's even worse than it was before. And then you slap another patch on there. The problem's still getting worse and worse. And then you slap another patch on there. So, yeah, I would love to come back. You know, if the listeners have any specific questions or anything they want to talk about. I'm all about education. My whole reason I started a podcast was to create informed health consumers. I want people to make decisions about their health from a place of power. I'm a libertarian. I really, if you want to smoke and you know how bad smoking is for you, Okay, do it, but at least know exactly what you're getting yourself into, right? I'm okay with you making a choice as long as you make an informed choice. And I feel like people really can't make an informed choice about their health with the way the current health system is. Jeez, Kyle. Yeah, man. We might listen. I, we might need to get you on here like fifty times. This is amazing, <laughs> man. No, this, I this is exactly. I mean, one of our our former uh, co-hosts was. Um, a very big germaphobe, should I say? Um, and so I, I, I've been trying to preach to these guys about letting the body take care of itself and let it do its thing. So I, I'm liking everything you're saying right now. But let me tell you this, though. Kyle would be like, oh, COVID? Let me just get in the middle of the ER and see what happens. So Kyle was crazy, too. So don't don't get it twisted. Like, don't think Kyle was saying anything as, as poetic and as eloquent as you were saying it. So, so. <laughs> he was not saying anything close to that. But but thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, Richard. Uh, I, I don't know what to say, but let's let's get you back on here as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to come back. 
And can you just real quick just give us your web, uh, your podcast website, and everything that they need to get a hold of you with? Yep, podcast is Strive for Great Health podcast. It's available on all major podcast platforms, and my website is thegh.wellness.com, and I'm available on all social media too. Usually at dr harris md. Awesome, everybody, Dr. Harris. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Right, thank you. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an s at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an s at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.